0: Welcome to Life Unleashed. I'm your host, Sarah Hodgson. I've written many books on dog training, and I've been helping pets and their people for nearly 40 years. Now, I've created this podcast to help demystify your dog's behavior and spread the philosophy that training should be fun, fear-free, and inclusive. Let's make the world a happier place, one dog at a time. This is Life Unleashed. Hey, it's Sarah. Welcome to another episode of Life Unleashed. Today's focus is leash reactivity. I would say that 75% of the in-person or virtual lessons I do with people and their dogs is based on this leash reactive behavior. Dogs who either lunge at other dogs Or people, when they walk by them, and it's like insane because they're like, my dog is so friendly, he's so nice. But when we're out on the street and he sees another dog, he's like, up on two legs. It's crazy. And I know this firsthand because I see it all the time. Leash reactivity might also be a dog that sees a prey animal and just starts yanking and pulling on the leash incessantly until they're well beyond that space. So what is it about dogs and leashes that causes such a 0 to 60 response when that dog gets triggered? The other thing that i tell people no matter what age we're getting started with a leash reactive dog no matter what the behavior is that it all started in puppyhood now before we launch backwards into puppyhood let's just throw this leash reactivity under the microscope the number one worst piece of equipment if not used properly is the leash so anytime you tether a domestic or wild animal onto a leash, they're going to feel trapped because they can't articulate their normal postures. They can't frolic. They can't run. They can't play because they are confined. Has this ever happened to you? You come back after a walk with your dog and they have more adrenaline than when you left. If this is the case, what happened during their walk is that they felt trapped, they felt a lot of adrenaline, they felt conflicted about the direction they were being forced to go. All this might start to sound familiar. Keep in mind these things, these very important things. Your home is equivalent to their den. Your home should be their safe place where they relax, they eat, they might engage or lay with you. When your dog moves from the den into their yard or their familiar neighborhood, that's their territory. That's the area where things are a little less predictable, but they still are familiar with the sounds and, and the stimulation. Now, move beyond your territory, and you are in what I call the great beyond, where things are very unpredictable, and the dogs often get startled by the unexpected. So you're walking down the street, and unexpectedly, a dog comes around a corner, and your dog is is kind of set face-to-face with that unfamiliar, even familiar dog. A dog might run at you off-leash, and you're, you know, placidly walking your dog on a leash, biting the law, relaxing, having a nice walk, and suddenly a dog comes running up. They might bark. They might engage you. Kind of, whoa! Then all of a sudden, that leash reactivity happens all of a sudden. And what that's about, and this is very important, those face-to-face interactions. So you're like face-to-face. How else do you interact? People-to-people, face-to-face, heart-to-heart, toe-to-toe, smiles, showing all your teeth is completely normal. We are the only mammal on the planet that thinks so. When dogs-to-dogs or other mammals come face-to-face with each other, immediately they think confrontation aggression because you don't come face to face with an other animal without feeling that you're being attacked. And that's where the fear sets in because so often we walk up to friends face to face, dragging our dogs along on the leash. We walk past each other face to face. And though it's normal for you and I, to your dog, it can seem extremely threatening Add to that the posture most dogs have on a leash, which is that push me, pull me, that leaning into the harness or the collar in an effort to pull away from that feeling of being trapped looks very ominous to another dog who might be approaching you. So you can begin to see, hey, I get it. I get why my dog is leash reactive. And not only do I get it, but I wanna know how to make my dog feel better on a leash. And that is our focus right now. How can you soothe your dog's tension when they're on a leash? I always say it boils down to these two things. Space and time. Space and time. Some people say distance and time. It's the same thing. When you foresee a situation that could trigger your dog's reactivity. You need to separate. You need to either create an arc so you're moving out of the other dog or or a person's personal space. You need to place your body between your dog and, and the thing they find distracting. And you need to give it a little bit of time. Before I expand on that, let me tell you one thing you need to avoid. You need to avoid your dog getting triggered and you're whipping out food and shoving it in their face. First of all, when a dog is triggered, either by fear or by uh, aggression, they don't want to eat because they're using all their energy to deal with this situation at hand. Number two, if I stick a piece of steak in my dog's mouth, While they're experiencing reactivity, I'm actually reinforcing their reactivity. So space and time are very important. You need to move your dog away from what's triggering them, which lessens the intensity of the moment, and you need to give them time to work through their negative emotions of fear or aggression. Once they've moved through, which is most often the fear state. The other dog has moved on or you've just given it a little bit of time so that your dog can focus on your voice and the safety that you're providing in that moment. Once that's created and your dog can focus on you, then you can bring out the food, direct them to sit, direct them to watch and then feed them. So you're reinforcing their moving beyond those intense feelings and reestablishing the connection with you. So now let's backtrack, space and time. What's that about? And let's say you're on a city street. That's a little challenging because it's not like you can veer out into the center of like First Avenue. So space means create as much distance as possible for the thing that might be triggering your dog. And as you're doing that, place your body between your dog and the distraction. So let's say it was another dog. I teach my dogs a skill I call crossover. You can find it on YouTube or TikTok, but crossover just tells them if you're walking my left side, you need to now shift to my right side. If you're walking my right side, you need to shift to my left side so that I place my body between my dog and the thing that's upsetting them. Number one. Number two, I want to create as much space. So I live kind of in a suburban area, so often I can duck up a driveway or I can place a tree or maybe a car so it blocks my dog's view of whatever is upsetting or triggering them. That's how you create a little bit of space. Now, time is also a factor of how much space I can create if I can walk 20 yards away from the thing that's triggering them, they're going to be able to emotionally detach from it faster than if I can only move a sidewalk's distance of two or three feet. The time is, okay, how much time does my dog need to return to neutral? So I think of it as like a sharp rise in adrenaline when a dog is faced with like another dog or person or another animal that's upsetting them. The time is based on the amount of adrenaline that dumps into their body. So if my dog goes face-to-face with another animal, they're going to get more adrenaline. The adrenaline, they need to survive this encounter. But if my dog sees a dog across the street and gets upset, the adrenaline will be less. So then I'll need less time, less space to bring my dog back to neutral. So... Once the time factor is based on a couple of those variables, but once my dog gets over that initial intensity, that initial reaction to seeing that other thing, then I can bring out a toy, maybe a high-pitched squeak toy or a high-value treat, something that they really love or high-value bone, and I can redirect my dog's behavior to that thing. So I could maybe shift my dog into playing a game I love the game Scurry Scurry. That's where I just run ahead and throw treats on the floor. I love to play the game Find It, where I might take a few treats or the bone or the toy and toss it into some grass or some pachysandra so that they have to kind of uh, hunt for it down low. I could just do some of my dog's favorite games, like Tug of War. If the dog loves to dance, I can hold the treat around and they can jump around for it. Those are activities you can do to shift your dog from hyper-awareness to fun. And our goal, our goal is honestly, when our dog is on a leash, to have them see something that would otherwise trigger them, but link it to like a high-value treat or a game of tugs. So now when they see another dog, they turn to you to play this fun game. So leash reactivity is not just a one-size-fits-all, not just whip out a high-value treat and ask your dog to sit because they won't do it. Once a dog gets hyper-aroused on the leash, you have to create a little space and give them a little bit of time to settle down to then refocus them. And the goal on the leash when you're walking in the great beyond where things are unpredictable is for you to be hyper vigilant to what's going on around you so that you can redirect your dog before they get triggered on the leash. Now, let's backtrack a little to puppyhood and see where the kind of leash reactivity all gets started. Fun fact when you bring home a puppy, a young puppy, under five months, let's say, your puppy is considered by every other animal in the species, including older dogs and even themselves, to be a prey animal. It means they are incapable of protecting themselves if attacked. Young puppies are very inhibited. They have a tendency to stay close to their adult figures, other dogs or people, because they don't want to be annihilated. They want to be protected should anything happen. They view any touch around their neck or their body as suspicious. Why am I being touched here? Because this is a no touch zone for a puppy. So you're like, what? I can't touch my puppy around their neck. I can't touch them on their body without them getting suspicious. And I say, yes, unless, unless you link neck and body touch with favorite treats, maybe a licking mat, a bone that they like to eat and chew, a toy that they like to play with. So before you touch them around the neck and around the body and get them used to having a leash on, link their brain to something high value and fun so that in their little puppy brain, they link being touched around the neck and the body with enriching activities, maybe being fed some tasty treat on a licky mat or finding yummy treats in the grass. So the first job with a puppy is to link these no touch zones with positive associations. If you don't, if you just grab your puppy and wrangle them into a a harness that feels more like a bra or trap them around their neck and choke them, their first association to even the collar, forget the leash, is going to be negative. You're going to have a puppy that backs away or runs away when you come at them to put them on some sort of body wear. Forget the leash. Then we have the leash. So now you have a little puppy that already doesn't like being touched around the body or the neck, and now you're leashing them onto a leash and basically asphyxiating them. When baby puppies, baby animals of any sort, feel like attached to a a tether, they're going to have This phenomenal oppositional reflex, life-sustaining. If you've ever seen a nature show where a lion catches a one-day-old gazelle and somehow that one-day-old gazelle escapes the lion's grasp, it's because of that overpowering oppositional reflex to anything that feels entrapping. So God forbid you start with an eight-week-old puppy putting them on a leash and dragging them about the neighborhood. Number one, remember, puppies, until they have adult teeth, don't want to be dragged away from their den. You can socialize them by putting them in a car and taking them somewhere, but you should never pull them away or separate them from the den. That's their safe place and you want it to be their safe place. Then if you start pulling your puppy, I get questions all the time, My puppy flails about, my puppy bites the leash, my puppy gets aggressive, my puppy stops moving when they're on a leash. Right away, I ask how old are they? I can guarantee they're under four months. That is called oppositional reflex. That is not an oppositional puppy. So when you are getting a young puppy used to a leash and color, it has to be padded with food, fun, and freedom. I have a 10-foot leash. I have a little store on Amazon with various leashes, and this one is 10 feet long. What I do with a puppy is I'll put that leash attached to their collar or harness, which I've conditioned positively, and on the end of the 10 feet, I'll tie a favorite bone or stuffed toy or something that they enjoy chasing or following or chewing. Next thing I do is I get a little treat cup. I get some favorite treats, and I put it in an old washed-out gum container or, um, you know, uh, treat cup for little kids. I shake that treat cup so they associate the sound of the treats shaking in the cup with positivity, eating, nurturing. And then I also use that treat cup and I use the toy attached to the other end of a long leash to help them associate being on the leash with a lot of fun. I'll take them out into a field or out into the yard with that long leash so their association is they get to explore when they're on a leash. They get treats, they get to have fun when they're on a leash. And for the first week or two, that is what we do on the leash. I don't drag a dog to follow me. I don't demand they walk in a linear fashion on the street. I don't pull them up and make them face off to other dogs or other puppies. I just play. We have fun. If you can get your dog in a puppy school, that's another way to associate being on a leash with fun and socializing. So when leashes are introduced properly to a puppy, it makes walking a maturing dog a lot easier. Because as we're associating the puppy to food and fun and freedom on their little leash, we're also associating them to words like follow, and find it, and get your toy. They're associating it to repetitive words that we will then use when they're mature. And the words themselves, because they're associated with fun and food, are associated with good, positive interactions. And there's no reason you can't take an adult dog and return them to puppyhood. Help them associate having their collar or harness put on with food and fun. Having them associate leash training with positive interactions. I know in this podcast I am going to like bash the invention of the leash. And I do recognize it is a necessary tool for having dogs in today's society. Every dog I work with, all my dogs have been positively trained to a leash. The leash to them uh, represents fun and spending time and going for a walk and being able to explore and sniff. So please don't think in bashing the leash that I am discouraging its use. What I am encouraging is associating it positively. And to that end... I want to talk to you about how to walk a dog on a leash properly. If you have a reactive dog, practice these exercises in your home. Home is a great place because the dogs are least distracted. Practice them in your yard, practice them around low distraction areas and gradually use these techniques to then expose your dogs and redirect your dogs when they would otherwise get triggered. Also, in that vein, if you're having trouble, hire a trainer. I do virtual coaching and I also recommend a few websites you can go to try to find someone in your area. Working with someone one-on-one who really cares about your dog and cares about your experience with your dog is vital. Many, many trainers now promote the use of an e-collar or shock collar or vibrating collar or TENS collar. Any battery-operated collar is not a good choice to use for leash training. It often negatively associates the very thing the dogs are triggered by with pain and confusion, making their reactions much worse. E collars provide a quick hack for a host of problems, but they don't give you a long term solution and they don't create a deeper connection with your dog. So please, please avoid them, especially if you have a leash reactive dog. Now, when I teach people how to train a dog on a leash properly, there are three key points. One, I've gone over which is play training help the dogs associate having the leash the collar the harness put on with fun and attention and singular focus that You two are just having a great time being together. In an upcoming podcast, I talk to Amelia, the dog trainer, about wonderful play training techniques to use. I strongly recommend um, you tune into that podcast and follow up. Number two, one of the most important things I teach about good leash walking skills is to simply relax. Imagine walking with me or one of your kids or a significant other and we're holding hands. Now, it's a very different vibe if I'm literally squeezing the blood out of your fingers versus just holding your hand very gently with a relaxed posture. It is the exact same for your dog. It's the exact same for any sport. You would never do a death grip on, you know, a tennis racket or a golf club. You just wouldn't. It would it would be counterproductive. It is the same with a leash. If you are holding your leash tightly, you are doing something wrong. When you hold the leash properly, dogs respond instantaneously. And I've proven this over and over again taking a reactive dog, a shepherd or, you know, a big, powerful, muscular dog, literally wrapping the leash around my pinky and within minutes getting them to walk cheerfully at your side. If you are gripping a leash tightly, you are giving the dog a Feeling of being trapped. Your body is actually emitting cortisol and adrenaline that your dog can pick up on just by sniffing the air around you. So, a relaxed posture with your arms held straight uh, under your hips. Avoid the pulling up on the leash. The dog is not a rabbit or a kangaroo, it doesn't hop through the world, it walks horizontally through the world. So any tug that that dog feels should come horizontal to the ground, not up in the air. When a dog feels launched up into the air off their center, they are going to lean in and pull hard. When I'm teaching a dog to walk on a leash, I do not ever look down on them. I point my voice in the direction I want my dog to go with nice, relaxed arms. I do not look at them because the goal with the dog is that they look to you. And just remember, the more you look at them, the less they'll look to you. In their kind of brain, if your voice is directed at them, if you're standing behind them, then they're the one kind of orchestrating the direction of the outing. So I point my voice in the direction I want my dog to. To go, I call, I look straight forward in the direction I want my dog to move, and I walk forward. A lot of people say, yeah, my dog's going to like jettison and just yank my arm out. And I agree, they will do that. But should they take the walk into their own hands, calmly turn and walk in the other direction. As you turn, call out your dog's name, walk in the other direction, they jettison out you can make a 45 degree angle turn. You can make a 90 degree turn, but make a turn that redirects them to follow you versus your shouting at, dragging, and pulling them as you follow them. Leash training is remarkably easy when you have the right teacher and you have the right mind frame. Dogs of any Age over six months can be coached to love their leash. You want their leash to associate with food and fun and freedom. You want to use positive rewards of all types your attention, maybe even their meal, their favorite toy to reward them for following you. And you want to remember the goal of a walk is that you are enjoying each other's company. If you are not, you can set an appointment up with me, come to my location. If you're in the tri-state New York area, you can work with me virtually, or you can find a positive reinforcement trainer in your location. And if one trainer doesn't work, don't give up on trainers. 100%. You must go out there and find someone who helps you and your dog develop the best relationship possible, both on and off your leash.